Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I'm your host Leela Winston. I hope you are well and doing good. Um, as you know we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it in our lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives and I just want to say thank you um, for all of you who uh, tune in and you learn together and we study together. Let us go ahead and jump into today's Bible study. Um, our anchor text today is going to be Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 and 5. And so um, you've probably read this before, but let's go ahead and jump into our anchor text. So go ahead and grab your Bible. We're reading Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 2 to 5. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. And so I think this is a really interesting scripture. Every time I set of scriptures, actually, um, every time I've read this, even as a very young believer, it even sounded boastful. <laughs> and I'm sure Paul wasn't necessarily intending to be boastful, but I have like this, my own theory that Paul was like a man fighting his own pride. Um, and that's only because he was so smart, you know, and he was so wise and he had all of these accomplishments. He'd gone to all these fancy schools. I mean, I think it's hard, you know, when you're a smart as Paul um, to kind of keep things under wraps. I think also sometimes the uh, presence of the thorn in his flesh, it kind of served to like, you know, keep him level-headed. I think he actually said something to that degree. And so um, I've always had this impression of Paul, but you know, I could be reading things into it. You know, I have a very vivid imagination. So um, I have always kind of felt that way. So he's talking about having confidence in the flesh. And he's also talking to, be, to people about being aware of these different kinds of people, dogs, the evil workers. But he also notes the concision. And the reason he does that is because he is talking about it in, you know, like comparison with, you know, confidence. Because a lot of times people put their confidence in the things that they did or what they are, rather than putting their confidence in Christ Jesus. And so I think this is a really important factor that we need to talk about as believers is confidence. Where are you placing your confidence? There is a very true and important confidence that you need to place in yourself, but there's also a very powerful and impactful confidence that you absolutely must place in God. And so I want us to look at what confidence means here in this context. The Greek word being used in this particular text um, means to be persuaded or urged. So it's asking you to have put your confidence to be persuaded about God and who he is. Okay, you have to be persuaded in God. And part of gaining that confidence in him is knowing who he is and who he has been to you. This is really very important. I think a lot of people, um, I think that's where we make the mistake because as we start learning to, you know, put confidence in God, we start learning how to put confidence in ourselves as well in a healthy and proper context. Because if you can find your confidence in Christ, you understand that the things that he has given you, 
the facilities that you have, the skills, it's put there so that you can accomplish his will and purpose in the earth. And you understand that you work at your most optimum when you're acting in his will, using those gifts, those skills that he has provided in you. Then you can say confidently, hey, let me go do this because you know what God has put in you. And so I want you to understand what that Greek word for confidence is. It means to be persuaded. Are you persuaded about God? Are you persuaded about the skills and the gifts that he has put inside of you? These are really important things. And I want us to know something about Paul. And while I might have disparaged Paul just a bit, um, and he may not have been a proud man, I want you to notice that Paul did not call himself a Jew, okay? He called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He understood the error of what had come of the Hebrew worship and the traditions after the demise of the kingdom of Judah. And he remembered and he referenced the God-given name of his father, Israel. Remember, he said that in the uh, text that we just read, the patriarch of all 12 tribes, because people, you know, back in those days had started calling them Jews because Judah was the last kingdom. And so they just called them Jews. You know what I mean? Like it's Judah. <laughs> But that wipes out, that sort of erases Israel, which is very foundational to being a Hebrew, to the worship, okay, to the covenant. And so when you see him saying he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he's sort of hearkening back to the covenant. That's why he was talking about, you know, circumcision and how, you know, all of his accolades because of who he was. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that he was being boastful or anything, but he's talking about confidence here. And he's telling you, these are my reasons why I should be confident. Okay. The Babylonians gave them the name Judah, okay, or Jews or Judaism or whatever. It was the Babylonians. It was the mixed people that had come into the kingdom. It was the foreign kingdoms that had come and just kind of tacked on this name of the last kingdom, you know, of the children of Israel, which was Judah. So I think it's really important for us to understand that, you know, Paul is going all the way back to the beginning to Israel. And you must remember the name God has given you and the name that God has been to you. Names are important to God, you know, because it's it's telling you something about what he's doing and who he is. And so, you know, we learned when we were uh, in our the calling series about teachers we learned about how certain things in the worship of god had changed like pharisees and sadducees and all of these different offices that don't exist in the true worship of god under the levitical law and the prophets so it's important for us to understand what is exactly going on when we see paul hearkening back to all of this He's trying to tell you that I have a confidence even down to the foundation of my fathers of who I am. And God wants you to have that kind of confidence in him. Okay. You have to remember who God has been to you and you have to stand in the confidence of who he is to you. I want you to remember what David said in uh, Psalms chapter 13. If you can grab it, it's Psalms chapter 13. It's just 30, uh, verse 33 to 34. It says, he teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arm. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy right hand has holden me up and thy gentleness has made me great. That's Psalms chapter 13, verse 33 and 34. And I'll give you a secret. I absolutely love Psalms chapter 13. Um, 
but I think it's so important because of what it is saying. David says the name of God who taught him the skill and the strategy of war was also gentle and supportive. I'm sorry, the same God, the same God, the very same God who taught him the skill and the strategies of war. Think about this now. This is really key because we don't often associate gentleness with teaching people strategy uh, and ways to uh, defend themselves in war. So this very same God who was teaching him that was also gentle and supportive, holding him up. If you want to be a great leader of men, learn to be both gentle and supportive, but a teacher of how to fight and stand for what is right. The Bible teaches us that. Put your confidence in God, not flesh. Do you have the confidence of David in God to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine and actually run toward a giant? It takes confidence to do that. It takes confidence to face the bulk, you know, and to stand up to the strong man. And David said, and I just want to quote this out of 1 Samuel chapter 17, because I think this is really powerful. It's always blown me away. Um, in, in verses 36 to 37, it says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So what you achieved and who you are or who you are not, this comes out of what Christ has done for you. And even though you are doing all of these things, it influences your outcomes because of God. God can use those things to help achieve his ends. He made you the way you are so that you could achieve his will. But those are not the only reasons for victory, okay? God is the actual reason for victory. David listed all of those victories you know, with the bear and with the lion, he listed those and they were great. And he called those victories deliverances. Go back and read 1 Samuel 17, 36 and 37. He's talking about how he fought the lion and the bear and overcame them and got victory, but he calls them deliverance. David listed them as deliverance. He knew who his strength was, he knew who gave him his strength. And I got to tell you something, any soldier or man of war or a fighter or a boxer or whatever who has been a long time fighting will tell you that a lot of times, you know, in the heat of it, sometimes it was really just, you know, providence. It was just God. Something happened that gave them the victory, that gave them the edge. And let's look at what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 98, verse 1. It says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. David knew that even though he was a seasoned man of war, he knew he should have slipped. But God enlarged his steps right beneath his feet. And even though he was a man of war, he knew he should not have gotten the victory, perhaps in a struggle that he was having when maybe he lost his sword. 
but God showed him the way to overcome his enemy. See, confidence in ourselves leads to pride and hypervigilance and being hard on oneself. We feel it's all up to us, so we're hard on ourselves for mistakes and missteps, not knowing that God works through all these things, including our moments of failure. Confidence in flesh leads to disappointment and reliance on others and their will. Their will may not line up with God, but when we have confidence in God, we know he hears us, and this is why he tells you to ask. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, I'll read it, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Whom you rely on and depend for stability, it is to them you become servants. Think about it. Then you are, if you're, you know, putting all of your stability and all of your reliance on others, you're unable to serve God because you have to serve that which you rely on first. And so that means, by extension, God becomes second, right? And we do this to keep the favor of those or on whoever we choose to rely on. And even if those who we rely on are in error, we are still forced to rely on them even when we know better. We cannot see the power of God because we are consumed with the fleeting power of flesh. And we have put our confidence into man, into flesh, into things that fade away. So I want to tell you to put your whole confidence in God. And I want you to try this the next time you sit down to prayer or meditation or quiet time with God. It's kind of like an exercise in confidence in God. But I want you to turn on some good worship music, right? And get a list of names of God. Just get a list. You know, you don't have to compile this. Just find one online or something. And then I want you to think back on all the times you were in a tough spot or you were praying about something or you needed something from God and he answered or, you know, you're no longer in that situation and it resolved, you know, I want you to find the name that God was to you in that specific situation. Think of as many as you can. If he helped you get a job when you'd lost one, he is the provider. Or maybe if he showed up big in your life against, you know, people who were doing you wrong, he's your banner to say that this one is mine and I look after him. Or maybe there was a moment that you felt alone or perplexed and you actually found a way and God was your shepherd and he was God with you. He was Emmanuel. I want you to learn to put confidence in God and we do that in the quiet times. We do that when we understand who he is. And now... After you've done that, I want you to think about your current deepest prayer request. And then I want you to look in that list and find the name you need for him to be to you now. God, in various seasons, reveals himself to us through the working of his spirit in our lives. So I want you to be aware of what you need him to be right now so that you can put confidence in that. Who will God be to you in this season? Whatever it is, have confidence in him for it. Don't give up. He's coming to help. You will make it through. God bless you.